when we brought my first our firstborn home from the hospital. I thought, man, I think I went through more training to get my driver's license. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's obviously the most challenging thing I ever faced in ministry and the most hurtful to watch what people went through. I did 20 funerals during that time. Mm. 18 out of 20 were COVID funerals. Hello, everybody. I'm going to start you off here with uh, teaching you a little song. It's uh, pretty easy in terms of the lyrics. So uh, here it goes. I learned it in Israel a decade ago. Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom. So Abraham, our guide, when uh, we uh, I went to Israel with about thirty-five pastors from Georgia back in 2011, taught us that song on a bus. Uh, it's talking about, you know, Shalom is peace, and Shabbat is the uh, uh, sacred day from pretty much from Friday night to Saturday night. Uh, they're very strict to the Jewish people about uh, what they eat and, and being very sacred time. It's it's that, you know, sacramental time. So, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the two guests on this episode of the podcast, I went with it to, to Israel, um, you know, 10 years ago on that trip. They're both pastors, a father and son. And so, uh, you know, I figured it'd be great to interview them together, have a great chat, roundtable with them uh, for Father's Day. And so all three of us are dads, and and this is a father-son that are second, third-generation pastors. We talk about, um, you know, where, you know, one following the other's footsteps and running from that, that call into the ministry and the legacy of faith. Um, how church has changed during the pandemic. Of course, our Israel trip together, and and they have a both of them have such a passion for missions, and uh, how you know what they've learned uh, in Europe and in other places. And uh, one of them also with his masters from Harvard. So looking forward to talking to pastors Dennis and Brad Lacey from North Highland Church in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, and that trip to Israel we took was just was just amazing. Of course, that's the central location of the Bible. Uh, a life changing trip to walk where. Jesus Jesus walked. And uh, so, uh, um, and if, you know, we, we talk every week on this podcast about fitness, but also about faith. It's so important not only to be physically strong, to be spiritually strong as well. And so, uh, you know, we, we talked to all the guests about that on this podcast. You can go to WTVM.com slash podcast, listen to all the previous 69 episodes. But on this one, we have uh, Pastor uh, Dennis and Brad Lacey. Now, Dennis was called into the ministry in 1971, ordained in the Assemblies of God just a year later. Uh, he was in youth ministry, and then he was also the assistant superintendent of the Georgia District for eight years. And uh, he's currently the lead pastor of North Highland Church in Columbus, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. It's, that congregation's grown from about five or 600 up to more than 1,000. Along with his pastoral duties, he does a lot of leadership training for other pastors and missionaries as well. He got his B.A. degree from Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, has his Master of Arts of Christian Ministries from the Lakeland, Florida branch of the Assemblies of God Theological um, Seminary. Him and his wife, Susan, uh, have four grandchildren and two kids, one of those being our other guest, uh, Brad Lacey, who's a native of Georgia, uh, called into the ministry while he was a sophomore at the University of Georgia. Of course, he says, go dogs. Uh, Then he went to Southeastern University and completed his B.A. 
MBA in ministry, later getting his master's from, yes, Harvard in Boston. We talk a little bit about that, ordained with the Assemblies of God. He uh, pioneered a Chi Alpha ministry, a college ministry on the campus of Georgia Southern in Statesboro. He was the uh, state's first district Chi Alpha director, doing a lot of global student ministries, and now he's the executive pastor for North Highland Church, also in Columbus. Uh, him and his wife, Stacy have two sons, Micah and Caleb, the oldest being 13 years old. So definitely prayers for him having a teenager now. So here's our uh, fun, really uh, in, you know, inspirational conversation with these two pastors, father and son. I would like to welcome uh, pastors uh, Dennis and Brad Lacey to the podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for, uh, for stopping by. Hey, we're glad to be here, Jason. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, we got to know each other a little more about a decade ago on a trip to Israel That's together, true. which is a unique way to do that. So, uh, but, you know, we have Father's Day coming up, and this is a father's son sitting in here in the room with me. You guys are both pastors. So uh, tell me about, um, you know, what what is that dynamic like? I mean, you're on staff together at church. I mean, do you get along as father's son? Is, <laughs> has that been a up-and-down relationship since, you know, teen years to now, or, or whoever? wants to start us off <laughs> yeah I, I don't think we ever really had a plan that oh i want brad to follow in my footsteps brad's actually a third generation assembly of god pentecostal pastor uh, but i don't think we ever even teased him about are you gonna be a pastor all that my parents didn't do they didn't do that to me and we didn't do that to him and so it was quite a uh it was quite an exciting day when when that happened. I uh, I actually put him through the ringer, though. I mean, I I set the bar really high. I've never put an associate through what I put him through to uh, be hired. I just wanted to make sure, you know, that I wasn't hiring him because he was my son. I was hiring him because he was qualified. The fact that he was my son was a bonus. That was the cherry on the top. But uh, I think I'll let him speak to the working relationship <laughs> so, to so have his dad as before, his boss. Before we get there, so was this like a was this a boot camp? I mean, was there an obstacle course involved? Or how, <laughs> you I mean, know, when you say you set the standards higher, you just I, you, you just uh, I, had added some things. I yeah yeah. He he not only met with a personnel committee and met with my board, but I. I I asked a few people who were in leadership in youth over the years. I, I said, I just want you to meet uh, our potential youth pastor. And so I told him, uh, hey, there's a few people after you meet with the board, there's a few people, I don't know, you know, six or eight people, something like that. You walked in, how many people showed up? Yeah, you're 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 kindly describing these people. Ooh. I think uh, about 40 disgruntled youth uh, workers and parents <laughs> would be a better way of just, you know, I walked into a firing in, squad. He, yeah. he, he, and he then was like on 40 the hot people. seat. I mean, people that hadn't even been in the, uh, somehow the word got yeah. out. Ten years that, ago, they left the youth group and were yeah, mad. Yeah, they hadn't been there in ten years, <laughs> yeah, getting just, mad at somebody. So they were like, well, I, I was like a, the new guy. a bad town hall meeting. Exactly. You know? People burned by the church. Exactly. Now they're going to go yeah. after Brad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so now, did you, um, you know, you see, you know, Brad, you know, growing up, you, your dad is a pastor sure. involved in a lot of different things, and and since the seventies, really. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, do you kind of say to yourself, I want to do just the opposite of what Dad's doing? Yeah. Or did you yeah. run from it? Did yeah. you feel like called later that, on? That's a great question. And yes, I would have been the typical. 
uh, punk preacher's kid, right? So growing up, my parents never put any pressure on me, like, oh, you better do what we do, and it's the family business, and we're going to pass it down to you. Uh, that was really never a thing. In fact, I would say I took the opposite track, like the last thing I'll ever do is work for my dad. Why? Yeah. Because everybody's going to go. He just gave me this job because, you know, of who my dad is. Almost I'm not qualified, right? Identical of what I said <laughs> about my dad. I'll never, I said I'll never be a preacher and I sure, would never work sure. for my dad. Wow. Even. So yeah. I spent 10 years doing uh, student ministry, uh, working as a missionary. And uh, so it took about 10 years of doing ministry, just trying to feel out what God has for me. Uh and then it took, yeah, probably about 10 years for my heart to soften up a little bit. And then I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me one day, uh, hey, you need to go help your dad out. Wow. And so it's interesting. My call to ministry was di different than my call to help my dad, even though they're both ministry positions. So I was like, well, you know, hey, God, does what does dad need help with? Maybe he needs help cutting the grass. Does that how he needs help? And, I, he, and the Holy Spirit said, no, you need to go help your dad. And I'm a missionary. I'm working in the college campus. He's, maybe he needs help, you know, taking a tree down. Maybe he needs help lifting something heavy. And more I prayed about it, I was like, oh, no, you want me to go help him and work with him. And, like, oh, but again, it took me being, what, 33 years old yeah. to, before I could swallow that pill, yeah. swallow my own pride and say, you know what? I'll take some heat going, well, we know why old Pastor Brad got that job. We know what his last name is. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? It's not about that. It's about following mm -hmm. the Lord, call, you know, following yeah. his calling. And uh, to be honest, I'm in a place now where it's an honor to work for, for my dad. You know, I see it as a blessing. Uh, and some people say, well, you know, what about nepotism? I say, well, hey, nepotism has worked out pretty good for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> and is, is, is that, and is for, uh, the, the dynamic, you, you guys working together alongside each other yeah. or for each other. And does, um, d does it make it where sometimes do you have to kind of, when you disagree and you kind of, you know, do you hold back or do you, or you feel like you're able to really kind of be a more honest or less honest? Yeah. Well, I, I will say we have had very few disagreements. I don't think we've ever been mad or angry with each other. Uh, we're both pretty laid back uh, mm -hmm. that way. But at times where we saw an issue different or solved a problem different or, or was trying, we were trying to process something, Brad would say, here's my opinion. And if my opinion was different, he'd say, you know, you know how I feel, but this is your call. You're the lead pastor. And so he would always defer sure. to to that. But there's been so few of those. Yeah. Very yeah, few. It, it's in those moments. So it's funny because even what I would refer to him as, you know, if it's a problem or somebody needs uh, somebody needs correcting, I'll say, well, pastor said. <laughs> He's pastor at that point, yeah. so you know. So nicely throw him under the bus. Yeah, it, pastor, it really is. pastor really wants you to do this, right? Yeah. But that, if somebody says, hey, what do you think about this? And I'll be like, well, let me go check with dad, you know. So yeah. sometimes he's dad, but uh, I'd say most times he's dad. But when it comes down to the when the rubber meets the road on some very important things, uh, he's the pastor. So he's yeah. still, and he's meetings, my dad and the pastor. So simultaneously. In, in the meetings, you always, which I don't ask him to do but he always refers to me as pastor when he's in, in our board meetings even though i chair the meeting i don't do very much in there because so many of the issues are decisions and they're administrative things and he's over that so 
90% of what happens there financially and so forth, uh, Brad's the one doing it anyway. But if but he will say, and even in staff meeting, he runs at the end. He said, Pastor, do you have a word for us? Pastor, conclude in prayer. Give us a word of encouragement. What do we, you know, he always leaves room for that. And uh, frankly, uh, it, it, it's been a dream for me to be able to concentrate on, you know, preaching four times a week and doing the other things, weddings and funerals and so forth, and not be bogged down in the administration. And, and he's really good at it, much better than I ever was. So that's, uh, that's a real blessing because he's got a real analytical, critical mind, and I'm, I'm just a humble preacher. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it, and what's it like, you know, um, seeing him? Like, you know, like you said, you know, Brad talked about being the, the, the stereotypical punk preacher's <laughs> yeah. kid and, and then seeing him kind of blossom into a pastor now. And he's, you know, the, I guess, you know, preaching on Father's Day, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Yeah. What does that do for you as a dad? I mean, do you just like the being with pride or, or just well, nervous and I would say no godly pride. I remember when uh, I went to uh, Georgia Southern University, and uh, I had really never heard him preach. It was early on in his ministry, and I, I showed up for some reason that night, uh, and and kind of sat in the back. And he 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 stood up and started preaching, and it was uh, it was an emotional moment for me. I was like, wow. I had no idea. I mean, he, he delivered the goods. Uh, that's incredible. Good content, good delivery. And it was interesting because the national director of our college ministry was there. Well, I'm old school, and I thought, well, you invite him to preach. He's ahead of everything. And I said to Brad right before the meeting, are you going to have him preach? And Brad goes, no, I'm going to preach. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wait, what are you? And I was like, afterwards, I went, wow, he's a much better preacher than the other guy. I've heard the D- other different, guy. Different generations. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he just he just really connected. And so I would say with godly pride and then the sense that I remembered uh, when I first started because uh, what was similar is we both were called into ministry when we were at the university. I was in Oklahoma at the university, and he was Georgia University. Uh, we had already completed our sophomore year when God called us, and so nobody expected us to be, and particularly me because I had no gifts for that. I was the most bashful, timid. I'd never take a speech class. I'd do anything rather than give a a, a a verbal oral report in class i would just be petrified in fact when i was a kid one time the teacher i mean it was like eight years old nine years old and i was a pastor's kid so i guess they assumed i could do this the guy said let's bow our heads for prayer they said dennis lead us in prayer everybody bows their heads and i I literally was so frightened i couldn't speak i literally went and crawled out the window Wow. I don't know how long they waited <laughs> for me to pray. Well, everyone's I eyes just, were closed. They didn't I, even it, notice you left. They didn't know I was gone. They <laughs> were thinking it was, it was yeah. a silent prayer. Solemn. Few, was, few moments was, of silent prayer. That pregnant pause right before that was dramatic it. prayer. <laughs> now, Brad, do you bring in your uh, your UGA roots? Do you say go dogs from the pulpit? Is that appropriate? You, or? you know, especially in Columbus with okay. all the Auburn fans, I have to kind of rub it in a little bit, you know, <laughs> until we lose. Then I kind of quiet down a little bit. Yeah, they, people, will, people will ask me, Jason, they say, now, who are you for? And I go... Well, if you get me a ticket to any one of those games, uh, I can't. I can't be bought, but I can be leased any Saturday yeah. afternoon, and I'll root for whoever you want yes. me to root for. So we we really have a 
pretty equal distribution of of the three major schools so yeah. mm-hmm. we have to be careful you uh, you root for jesus i there you go that's a <laughs> that's a <laughs> safe thing that's the that's, safe a, that's a winning team that, think, there you go there and you uh go. and we talked earlier about how um I, I had a chance to to you know um with you guys and about 30 other pastors a trip um, to Israel. Yeah, trip to Israel. Um, you know, we it was a 24 hours of travel to get there. This was back, I think, in 2011, and uh, we're there wow. for a week. And it was just we packed, I think, about two weeks worth of stuff. Oh, into, it was unbelievable. Into one week, we so, flew all night and hit the yeah. ground sightseeing. Yes, we didn't get it. Barely got a chance to get a cup of coffee at the airport. And I remember, um, you know, uh, it's not this is not too embarrassing for you guys, but we, when we were on, we we sat and we're on the Sea of Galilee. I mean, literally the yeah. Sea of Galilee. We're traveling and doing the national anthem. I look over oh, and I see uh, Brad and Dennis Lacey, like with eyes closed. I don't know. If I, oh, maybe man. it was one of those silent prayers again. No, um, I, I think no. You, you no, guys no. I saw that picture that somebody <laughs> took. I had my head lying on his chest and I'm drooling. I was sound asleep. Here's here's what I. Some guy on. was preaching. If you remember, <laughs> well, stopped. no, I was just trying to be like Jesus. I was sleeping in, in the, the boat. boat. So I was trying yeah. to be more like Christ. I was sleeping yeah, in the sea. And then Jesus shows up and says, wake up, you're wake supposed up. to be guarding, you know. <laughs> Although you didn't walk on the water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brad, was that your first trip to, to Israel? That was my very first trip. So what was that like for you? I mean, you're going, you know, because you and I were, I mm. think, uh, you know, maybe some of the youngest uh, we ones in the group mm-hmm. and a lot of veteran pastors from all over Georgia and going to Israel and some of them had been there before and then we're literally walking the footsteps of Jesus. And sure. There's some tourist stuff, but what yeah. was that like for you as a, as a young man and, and um, you know, and and seen all that. Mm. Yeah, it was very impactful. Uh, and I think especially because it was my first trip there. Uh, one of the things I noticed uh, that was probably not known when you're just reading scripture uh, is the scope of everything, right? So you think, oh, Jesus was standing in Jerusalem and he was talking about over there on the Mount of Olives. And you think there's these mountains somewhere way off in the distance. And then you get to Jerusalem and you're mm. like, oh, Jesus was literally pointing over, like, see that hill right over there, you know, over there across the creek, you know. And you just realize that the scope of the Gospels Mm -hmm. and the scope of Jesus' ministry was so personal. It was so uh, communal. You know, it wasn't like, oh, these are far off things. You're like, no, he was right there. And over down on that hill was this happened over here, the Mountain of Olives. Oh, that's the hill I can see over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The scope of it was just incredible, and it just showed me how personal uh, the ministry of Jesus was, and that's the ministry that we get with God is so personal. Yeah. And uh, that's, I think that was most impactful for me to go, oh yeah, and the Sea of Galilee, you kind of almost think like a sea or an ocean. You're like, oh, it's a lake. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesus, mm-hmm. oh, then they walked around the sea. Oh, they walked around the lake and they sat by the lake. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, sounds like a Saturday right. around Columbus, just sitting around <laughs> Lake Oliver, you know, hanging around by Lake Harding. So uh, it just made it more attainable and accessible. Sometimes we elevate the people of uh, the the characters in the Bible. We go, oh, those people are superstars. It just really brought the Bible just right down to the bottom shelf, you know, the top shelf, not some lofty esoteric thing. You're like, oh, these were just people hanging out by hills and lakes and stuff. That's what we do. So uh, I think for me, it really just brought it down to a real... Uh, and after studying it professionally uh, and <laughs> for uh, college credits, uh, it just made it just more personal. Yeah, because, I mean, that's really 
one of the biggest points of why Jesus did what he did and why God kind of you know came in the flesh because it's like okay yeah. he's feeling the hurts the frustrations mm-hmm. the the temptations that, that, mm-hmm. that we feel mm-hmm. and you know look look what what he so he set the standard that none of us can attend can meet but we can attempt at yeah. least try right yeah. so yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was it was incredible. I tell you what, we ate how much hummus? <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, <laughs> it was wonderful and baklava. And uh, we was... had hummus for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I yeah. tell you what. I tell you what. I brought away from the trip, and that was my eighth trip there. So Gee. I've been a few times. Yeah. That number one, uh, the love for the country, really captivated my heart, and meeting government officials, military people. Uh, more than just the typical uh, tourist kind of stuff, we we kind of got to some of the backstories mm. and behind the scenes, and yeah. it just gave me a greater love for that great land. What yeah. a wonderful, wonderful land! I was really impressed with Brad. It was his first time there, and we would come to a site. Well, it was my eighth time there, and you know I'm a dinosaur. I've been studying the Bible here for years, so I would say at a certain site, you know, this was Alexander such and such and such, and I'm giving. He goes, yeah, and this, and he would always add something to it. I'm thinking, how does he know all of that? He hasn't even been on one of these trips. Well, what I discovered in between sightseeing, when I'm trying to take a little nap, he's on his phone Googling the next site, getting all this information, and then acting like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew I that knew, all along. I knew that. <laughs> well, well, you also have to, you know, realize that, that, that he has his master's from Harvard. Well, that, a lot of people may not the know that. Harvard man. Like, you know, like, you know, this guy sitting here with a checkered shirt and a beard, you know, yeah. he's a he's a Harvard guy. I mean, so, you know, yeah. surely he knows all of the biblical history. P- pretty much all knowledge had been downloaded to me. No, That's thankfully, right. I had the Google machine. Exactly. Which was the iPhone. Which is not, not on your first trip to Israel. Well, we didn't, oh, no, didn't we didn't exist. even know that. I didn't. <laughs> the bus. You know, the bus had Wi-Fi. Well, back then, I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. I mean, I'm technically you had very the, challenged. You had the bag phone back I, in the, the f- telephone. Had I a bag did. It was like strap. the size of I actually did have one of those. I one know. of the See? first. It's like a suitcase there. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and so um, for you guys, I know that I, I, I know that both of you have a passion for missions. Yeah, and um, it's something that you guys, you know, your church is about. You know, that North Highland is focused on and and doing mission trips, but also you know giving to missions. So mm-hmm. for you guys, you know, I mean, a trip to Israel. Uh, where you learn a lot, and, and, and then there's trips where there's where you build something. There's trips where right. you do outreach, maybe to an orphanage right. or something like that. Right. For you guys, have y'all had you know any other trips or any other missions overseas that have really, for y'all, just stuck out? Like the, that was life-changing for me more than anything else. Yeah. Well, we we support at North Highland over 100 missionaries and projects. And, and they are overseas, but there's some here local. We support all the, the, the local. In fact... Sometimes people say, which is more important? And you hear these arguments about, well, we got to take care of home before we go over there, or we need to go over there, we have enough here. Which is more important, global or local? And I just combine them and say, I believe in global missions. I believe in both. And to ask which is more important is like, to me, saying which wing of an airplane is more important to you. I, I got to have both to fly. So we try to balance that, and we try to do both, and we do all kinds of projects. Locally, um, foreign projects, we still are probably heaviest. Uh, Brad's over our mission program, too, so he can probably speak to this better than me. But 
uh, even though we build orphanages, we built several orphanages, we've built churches overseas, we've done feeding programs, we've got, you know, partnering with people that actually do that. Convoy of Hope internationally, we part, always partner with them when there's a disaster. But the majority of our support overseas, we believe in boots on the ground, that missionary. Because anytime we want to get something done, we do it through them where there's accountability and we know it's going to get done. There's sustainability and accountability. Uh, you may want to speak to that, Brad. That's uh, my perception on that. Yeah, yeah we've, uh, this last couple of years, we kind of rebranded our missions program to call, uh, we've renamed it Kingdom Builders. Mm-hmm. And we want to see God's kingdom expand in uh, our church, our city, and our world. Kind of taking that mantra, you know, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the utter ends of the earth. Kind of that like pond. Uh, if you throw a rock in a pond, it creates those uh, concentric circles like a bullseye, right? So we want to see God's kingdom expand in Columbus, Phoenix City, Chattahoochee Valley, in, in our church, in our city. And in our world. So uh, we make sure that we have a healthy dose of uh, local <laughs> uh, local support. So I'm thinking back that passion for missions, though. Uh, I'll never forget bringing a bunch of uh, teenagers <laughs> over to Europe. And, you know, as a, as a college student, a lot of these students had visions of, I want to backpack across Europe. It's going to be so great. I'm going to see the Eiffel Tower and I get to do all these great things because Europe is so cool. Well, I brought a group of, uh, of probably 19 and 20 year old, uh, 20 year olds to, uh, Romania, to Bucharest, Romania. And there was an organization there called touch Romania. And they realized they had such a street, uh, teenage street kid problem uh just gangs of teenage kids living on the streets but then all these teenagers started having babies well then all these babies didn't have any place to put them so they literally started filling up orphanages full of these unwanted babies and the government was so strapped for cash that they'd buy them a bed but then these babies would literally just sit there and they said you could go into any of these homes where these babies were and you would just the first few you know when the babies were young you'd hear crying and crying and crying but then they said the saddest thing was at a certain age the babies realized no one would pick them up there was no one to pick them up there was no one to hold them so they stopped crying wow and they would just lay there all day wow 24 hours a day the babies would just lay there man and they said the silence was what crushed people so uh the ministry was for these teenagers who tend to be selfish yeah. <laughs> when they care about themselves millennials millennials <laughs> right <laughs> to 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 go and uh, just rock babies, pick babies up and show them the love of Jesus, show them what touch feels like because they've never been touched by another human. Uh, and uh, that was probably the most impactful thing to be like, we can pray, yep. you know, we can give money, we can do a lot of things. But man, sometimes just, just holding on. a baby, just hands-on ministry yeah. um, was, was, was incredible. So that's probably etched into my brain that, uh, you know, you can preach at somebody. <laughs> You could preach at them, but until somebody knows how much you care, they're probably not going to listen. So that's kind of where I learned that lesson of missions. You got to care for people. You got to meet them where they're at. Some are hungry. You got to feed them before you start preaching at them. <laughs> yeah. Some baby, you got to pick them up and hold them uh, before mm-hmm. they go, okay, now I'm listening. Oh, wow, there's somebody here. So that yeah. was a that was a neat moment. And going on a trip, you know, overseas, I know my first 
trip yeah. was to Haiti a year yeah. after the earthquake and oh, talking wow. about like just the need there. But you, you it changes your perspective on Until life, you see it. on things that mm-hmm. like you think are important. Oh, my iPhone is not working, or you first know, world my, problems. Yeah, in my you know my uh, my stove has a knob that's not working. And things like that that yeah. like mm-hmm. you're like man, that's not really even that yeah. important. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, so. uh, I, I also took a, a group of students again because my first ten years of ministry was in you know Georgia Southern with students, but uh, right after Hurricane Katrina. Mm. I yeah. mean, the next month down to Louisiana, yeah. took them yeah. to yeah. Louisiana. I, I just I got up to a bunch of students who just finished their semester, and I said, "Before you go home for the summer, before you go home and get a job, give me two days. Uh, give two days to serve people that are hurting, that are in need." We're going to jump on a bus on a Friday. We're going to drive all night to New Orleans to Slidell, right there to the Lower Ninth Ward, right there where it's the worst of the worst, and we're going to go help people. Uh, Jason. I've never seen, I mean, literally tent cities with people that are yeah. displaced. We went down, saw where the levees broke. It looked like an atomic bomb went off in a neighborhood mm-hmm. because that wall of water pushed all the homes, just concrete slabs. It literally looked like a bomb. Just, you know, you see the pictures of the atomic bomb just wiping out everything. And I just asked students, what if you lost everything? Mm-hmm. What would you want somebody to do? And they're like, I just want somebody to help. I said, well, we're going to go help Yep. We're going to go help. So seeing those things, but then so it's encouraging that the community of God, the people that say, I follow Jesus, have that compassion. And they're the ones that respond. And a bunch of students that should not have responded went down and, man, we mucked out houses. We, we, we helped people. We fed people. We served that community. And that was two days. But those are two days that will stand out in my life. After 40 years, I remember yeah. those two days of working. Yeah. Before COVID, one of the reasons we would take trips every year, we would take a foreign trip and a trip. Uh, somewhere in the United States is because uh, once you go overseas, it's impacting. When you get your hands in that kind of ministry rather than just sending money. Some people go, why would you go build? You can send the money to them because of how much it costs to get. But once a person goes on a trip like that, it changes their life. What we have seen happen is many times people get called into ministry and on a trip like that and even if they don't they become a kingdom builder and the rest of their life they become mission givers so it's well beyond the trip itself that uh, you reap the 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 benefits of that so that's why we've always been huge believers in that i did make the mistake one year of saying this is about 20 years ago I was trying so hard that our mission budget would be larger than our regular operations. And I made this crazy statement. If you guys, you know, if, if we could give more to, to missions than we spend on ourselves in one year, I'd just be ready for Jesus to take me home. <laughs> well, that was a mistake because the next year we gave a million and a half dollars to missions and our regular budget was only like a million. I was like, Lord, you know my heart. I didn't really mean that. You know, <laughs> exactly. I want to raise some more money for missions. Don't take me home yet. I want to go to heaven. God, but God's going to be like, I'm going to show this, you. Yeah, you, okay. you. You think this is a joke. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, and, and Pastor Dennis, I know, you know, Alec, your son was just talking about kind of discipling 
handling youth. I know when you started in the ministry, you know, um, you uh, were an associate pastor, but also yes. you led uh, the, you know, the disciple, the largest youth group in, in, in Georgia and, and kind of really helped out with that. And so youth is also a passion for, for both you guys. Right. So what is that? And does that still resonate for you today in terms of really kind of right. focusing on the, the middle schoolers, yeah. the high school, children's Well, children, well. children yeah. and youth. Uh, when I was growing up, Jason, People used to say, we've got, to, we've got to minister to our youth. They're the church of tomorrow. We don't even say that anymore. They're the church of today. And if you show up at North Highland, you'll see youth embedded in all of the ministries. I mean, literally every ministry on Sunday, scores and scores of young people. Now, many of them are in our uh, student ministries. Some of them are in our college there because we have an internship there with them and whatever they're interested in, either media or uh, children. Or you, but uh, to to me, they used to be the 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 bottom rung of the <laughs> ladder, the low man on the totem sure. pole. Children and youth, in my opinion, they're at the top. That this is our church and this is our future this is our legacy so i am a big believer and i do think this if somebody is a youth pastor or a a, a youth pastor they'll become a better preacher mm. because you are forced to make your sermons relevant you're forced to use good illustrations to captivate attention and i think some of the best preachers around started out with children and youth um i i had somebody the other day come up to me and go that was a great sermon said i know you were a great children's pastor i can tell <laughs> so I, I think that's a compliment i'm not sure Is either it, but i'm so simple <laughs> i'm so <laughs> The, the attention span of an 8-year-old or a 15-year-old or maybe not as good as adults, perhaps. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. We'll maybe that's it. I yeah. don't know. And, and, and Pastor Brad, I know that you were, um, I think, the first Georgia District uh, Chi Alpha director, right? Mm -hmm. So that's working with, with college students. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, you know, you hear the stats that, like that when kids, you know, the percentage of kids that grow up in church, like that is, it's a really kind of unfortunately low percentage that mm -hmm. stay with church and, and, and stay with the Christian ministry. Correct. And college is kind of a crucial time. So, mm -hmm. so how do you combat that? Because the stats don't lie. I mean, sure. the numbers continue like that today. And, and yeah. especially with the pandemic, people are, here's a built in excuse to like, I don't want to go to church and exactly. uh, it's boring or whatever else. Sure. You know? sure. Yeah. yeah. The, the stat of uh, the students who walk away from the not just the church, but even faith, you know, personal faith sure. is, is astounding. I mean, it's astounding. Uh, so we combat that with uh, a Christian community that they don't walk away from during those years. So we were very intentional that we have to create something uh, purpose-built for them. So we created a college ministry that met on campus, uh, kind of that for us, by us kind of a thing where it's like, hey, you may not want to wake up on Sunday morning and go to church because you're a college student. So you know what? We're going to have a service on a, a Thursday night, late night, you know, like where we'd all yeah. be wanting to go turn in, tuck in for bed. Uh, and we're going to do it on campus right there for you. So you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to have a car. So uh, think about, I think about this, instead of saying you come to us for church, we brought church to them on their mm -hmm. campus. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, it, the biblical approach would kind of look like, those that used to come to the synagogue, you know, you got to go to the synagogue. 
But when the children of Israel were wandering in the desert, uh, they brought the temple with them. It was mobile. So that's kind of what we do. It's like well, if a young person said, well, we're leaving church. We're in college and we're not going to go to church. I'd say, great. You don't have to go to church, but we're coming to you. I'm, I'm not leaving you, so I'm with you. It's like, <laughs> so, a, fa- it's like a faith food truck. Right? Oh, it, yeah. it, exactly. <laughs> you may not come to the restaurant, but I'm going to park good. my truck outside yeah. on your front that's porch. Good. So yeah, yeah. That, that was our, that was our uh, strategy, really, just sure. to be with them and to be a representative of God when, when they thought, oh, yeah. I left my home church behind. Uh, okay, that's good. But what? hey, guess what? We're still talking about Jesus right now. So that that was my yeah. strategy to, huh. to to combat that. It's just a presence. And uh, one of the things that amazed me, Brad, is when I visited your Chi Alpha per- periodically was the number of international students. So there was that missional. Here's students coming from these third world countries. Some of them... Their parents yeah. were political leaders and whatnot, and oh, they're yeah. coming to America, and they're getting saved mm. from these other religions. Then they graduate and go back to their country as a little evangelist. And so there's the real missional aspect of, of the campus ministry. Yeah, yeah. I love my time uh, working with college students. Uh, so strategic, you know. Uh, for so many different reasons. They make so many life decisions, long-term faith decisions, decisions about marriage. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of people decide to get married in their late 20s or early 20s, uh, their future careers, and then the strategic nature of college students, uh, international students serving and then going back uh, to their countries. Man, wouldn't it be great if we just in, infused them with the love of Christ and then yeah. send yeah. them back <laughs> to yeah. their countries, some countries that are closed to missionaries. Yeah, you know? and a lot of times it's the kids that <laughs> lead their their father and mother exactly. to Christ. Right. I mean, like like instead of maybe the re- reversal of the parents being the example, it's like it, the, yeah. the just the opposite, right? Exactly. Yeah. Reverse mentoring, right? Yeah. yeah. No, it is. So so that that time uh, was so special for me, and that that's kind of when you know I told you the story about God calling me to help my dad, but it was right in the middle of those moments of working with college students, working at the university, and then hearing, "Hey, Dad needs help." I said, "Well, I'm doing fine here. What's going on? I like what I'm doing. I'm a missionary. I'm not a pastor, you know." So, so uh, that's just a little bit of uh, our story, but uh, yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a blessing to work with students of all ages. Yeah, and then speaking of strategy, you know, uh, we've been dealing with this COVID nineteen pandemic for mm. essentially you know more than a year, year and a half now, yeah. really. Yep. And I know it's it's changed the way sometimes churches do business, yeah. changed <laughs> change the attendance. What have you guys found at working in a church? Um, and, and seeing like, you know, uh, I mean, was it a big drop off? Is it a challenge to, to still safely have church even mm. now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll never forget. I mean, March 15th. Yeah. March 15th of last year. Yeah. I'll never forget the date because yep. March 15th was the first Sunday. It's like, well, we're not going to be able to meet in person. Yeah. Yeah. And how long had that it been was, for you, Pastor? Oh, that's... <laughs> Dad? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a dinosaur, as you know, and it had <laughs> never happened. And then the, we went into Easter. I had never missed then... two... I, I had never missed an Easter in my life, mm. an Easter service. In person. Ever, yeah. Wow. In person. And I don't think I ever missed two Sundays in my life in a row, not actually attending service. And when I heard we may be closed till Easter, which was just a few weeks, I mean, I'm just telling you... My world, I, I just, that's my whole world. So it, it like ended. <laughs> if I would have known it was going to be <laughs> till the next August of 2020, I probably could not have handled it. Um, 
it, it was it's obviously the most challenging thing I ever faced in ministry and the most hurtful to watch what people went through. I did 20 funerals during that time mm. and three fourths of those, I think, I think I sort of quit counting 18 out of 20 were COVID funerals. And so the hardest thing I think was also not just physically seeing people, but the hardest thing was people were so polarized and and this whole thing became so political and and literally people had different levels of comfort. Uh, Even when we started back, you know, some people Mm -hmm. didn't want to come back because uh, we were making people wear masks and taking temperatures and that you know that became a political well i'm not coming back because you're making me other people said i'm not coming back because i saw somebody without a mask on and you know there was such a diverse opinion to keep everybody on the same page but brad i put brad in charge of like everything else pretty much i put him in charge of the whole covid thing and i good luck with that right (laughs) yeah yeah but when we did come back (laughs) not handled (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when we did come back for three service, we sanitized every chair after and, and before every service. We also went up and uh, had energy savers put um, filters up in our return ducts so that the air was electrostatic and I UV re- light. Oh, UV yeah. light. And so the air was purified. They said uh, within an hour, the, the air would circulate like six different times and it was purer than being on top of a Swiss mountain. Wow. And so I've only done that once and it was snowing. So I, I guess it was pretty <laughs> soon. But uh, we went overboard, wiping down everything and isolating the building where people could only come. So Brad did a great job. He and the team he had uh, keeping us safe. And I think that helped us come back. But it was dramatic. Our, our last service, we had a thousand people when we shut down. When we opened up, Sunday we opened up, I had something like. 80 something people showed up and we were like uh but it just kept building and building and building as more and more people felt comfortable coming out and i i don't know brad you would have a better handle we're about 75 or 80 percent of what we were before the lockdown sure sure yeah by last march we had to pivot pretty quickly, yeah. right? Because the, the, the unknown. I mean, this is yeah. like new, brand new territory for everybody. I, exactly. I mean, uh, unlike a restaurant that may say, "Hey, you know what? We're dining room is closed, but maybe you just go through our drive-through window." Well, church is not drive-through, so what do you do, right? So we quickly had to pivot, uh, put all of our energies into church online. Sure, sure. <laughs> and yeah. really make that okay. There's church on campus. There's church online. There's church online, and there's church on campus. This is where so. you're glad for Facebook and website. Oh, right? yeah. listen, we 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 used to be cu- cussing yeah. at the technology and praying the demons out of it. Now we're praising it. Going exactly. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank Jesus. you, Mark Zuckerberg. I guess. A oh, little bit. Yeah. Mark and yeah, his friends. Exactly. Yeah, my you know my old Harvard friend, Mark Zuckerberg. Exactly. Exactly, yes. Uh, yeah. But but we really did. We pivoted real quick. Our messaging uh, really became, you know, don't attend church, be the church. So we, we yeah. encourage families to be there for their neighbors, be the church, and attend uh, services online. But uh, we had coming back in person on campus was... Uh, I tell you what, that first Sunday back... Oh, it was emotional. After I months remember, of being I, away. After months of being away, I felt... I, I walked up and I got ready to start preaching. And I just started crying 
I just was, I'm sorry, yeah. but I'm just so glad to see you. <laughs> and when you, when you can actually hug people or, yeah. it's like, well, we, initially we didn't even do that. Oh, yeah, we no, were doing no. air, air hives. Air high sure. fives, you sure, know, yeah. and then we started fist bumping. Fist bumping. Now we're or, or there was the elbows elbow for a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's wild. And Brad, so d- does, um, where do we go from here? Like, what did we learn, I think, as churches, as Christians sure. from the pandemic that we can maybe, because, I mean, like, it's not in vain what we've gone through over right. the last 18 months. It, what What is it? What's what's the lesson we can yeah, take? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, from a church perspective, from a religious perspective, um, uh, again, churches historically have that attraction model, right? Come to mm-hmm. the temple. Right? Yeah. Come to us. You must come to us if it's really church. And uh, We're going to have a rock concert or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. To, to, to do religious things, you must come to a certain place that is religious, right? So uh, I think what... COVID did for us is really reverse that. No, you are the church. You be the church. You practice those devotional habits that a religious person should practice. And yeah, it's going to involve some community. It's going to involve some large gatherings. But if all you have is the large gatherings and you take that away, well, what's left of your faith? So we've really challenged people, man, you got to get in the word. (laughs) Tell me about your devotional life. Tell me about your scripture reading. Tell me about your prayer life. Tell me about your life fasting. Tell me about your uh, small group connectivity. Tell me, and then it's like, oh, okay. So our gatherings now are just a celebration of all the things that have been happening in the week that are godly, that are wonderful. So it's not in reverse where it's like, well, if you take away Sunday morning, my faith is gone. Uh, and it's kind of like that, uh, you know, we don't want to be like the, uh, the plants that have the really shallow roots. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, I think the, the encouragement there is, uh, to uh, deepen our walk with Jesus, uh, because it can't, it, it can't rely on just our, our large group gatherings. Uh, it really does have to be that, that personal relationship. And then when we gather, when we worship, man, that's a bonus. It, it, mm-hmm. Like I said, that first Sunday back, I thought, This is why the Bible says don't neglect the habit of meeting together because this is so encouraging and edifying, but it's an edifying of that, that, that fire, that spiritual relationship that's already there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's the, that was the message for us. It is a hard message uh, and lesson to learn. Uh, Also just from the practical side, I think there's lessons about uh, maybe a more minimalist approach to ministry. And it's not always yeah. about being busy. It's not always about having right. a full calendar. It's about doing what's best. Yeah. Uh, and then saving some of those margin yeah. times for, for your personal relationship with the Lord, for family, and then uh, really intentional yeah. uh, uh, church events that are, are are very purposeful and to not really just be be having to fill up the calendar yeah, so much. Calendar got real simple, real <laughs> yeah, quick. Well, and, oh, and people and pastors need rest too. Yeah. You need yeah. you yeah. need to yeah. sleep. You need yeah. to to kind of like go and yeah. go for a walk or whatever else. And and we talk about um, you know fitness on this podcast as well. And and a lot of times you know a lot of us maybe became couch potatoes. We gained the, the 19, the COVID-19 during this year. Listen, or so. yeah. I got all the pandemic pounds. <laughs> if people lost the pounds, I, I found them. So, so. What, have you, what have you guys, I mean, in terms of like for y'all, I mean, do you, do you go to the gym? Do you, do you, I mean, what, what is it something you guys do to kind of, you know, maybe to, for the temple, I guess. Sure. As, like, as sure. The Bible says. sure. Well, for me, 
<laughs> he, he, I was hoping he, this podcast he, would be over before he, he, he we de- start talking. He, he, he deferred to Notice you. Notice how we looked at he, each he other. He deferred here. to you. So I will tell like you. Like father, like son. Yeah, yeah. This, this is probably an area we need to pull our socks up on. Uh, mo- most of our exercising has been uh, in our own yards, and I have a wife that loves yard work and cutting down trees. Do you have a push mower trees. or a riding? Uh, my wife uses a push mower oh, there you go. <laughs> and I have, I will tell you, I've bought a lot of, uh, great, um, equipment over the years, exercise equipment. So I am an expert on it and I will tell you, and I will tell anybody when they ask me, what's your recommendation about sure. exercise? I said, look, I've bought a lot and I could get one that has a lot of arms on it. The more arms, then you have more places to hang your hat and your coat. <laughs> your, it your, just uh, works your, uh, your laundry, right? Yeah, it's laundry. exactly yeah. everything. Uh, what I, I used to do, we used to, we always uh, would snow ski. That was our thing for like 25 years. My kids mm-hmm. growing up, Brad started snow skiing at four years old. Uh, he was amazing. He'd go flying down the hill. And uh, he, did, he wasn't real good at stopping. He would get in close where there's a group of people and say, somebody catch me. <laughs> and just wipe people out. I figured out a but way to stop. I think there's you, a sermon there somewhere. I, I, I think so. Uh, uh, Takes but, a village, right? But what I used to do, and, and I, in recent years, unfortunately, I've gotten out of it because we would take a couple of trips a year, a family trip and a guy's trip. So for about four months before that, we would get in really good shape. Um you know, for us, and uh, but I haven't been skiing in a while, so now it's more of a sure. health issue than it is a sports issue. I, I think too. You, you know, you talk about fitness. Uh, we we had something that was interesting that we started as a family because you know during when you're in those two those was it two weeks this that's lasted a year and a half yeah, right? yeah. two weeks an, to flatten the curve and, and here we are an <laughs> eight-year-old and a 13 year old yeah now, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so so stuck in your home for two weeks that lasted yeah. a year and a half of uh, flattening the curve still it's like groundhog day we're still flattening <laughs> the curve it's still locked up in our house flattening the curve uh but one of the things we we started that uh was been has been excellent uh we called it our our, our pandemic walks our covid yeah. walks and uh, we would walk as a family every night because we were just cabin fever. You're stuck inside. You're like, well, what do we do? And, uh, well, we're going to go on a walk. And uh, just last week, it was really funny. My wife said, come on, we're going on a family walk. And so they said, is it a COVID walk? Is it a pandemic walk? And it's like, well, I guess we don't have to call it that anymore. No, but, but, family but, walk. But, but it has been so important uh, to, to get out and just be active because if not, I mean, that's walking, which is minimal fitness, right? I mean, we're, we're on the, the lowest level. Level of fitness, but, but anybody we, can do that, really. But, but, but that, a, and that, a, a lot of people can. Per, yeah, and that's the that's my example. Without that, we'd have been doing nothing. But man, what a great first step that anybody yeah. can take walking. Yeah. We didn't walk fast. Some of the kids would ride a bike and we would just walk. Yeah. But before you know it, man, we can walk. And you can walk a mile. Then we can walk two miles. Then we can walk the whole neighborhood. Then you can walk that part of your neighborhood that you don't like because it's got a little hill in it. <laughs> Maybe then we can attack the hill. Uh, but uh, you just, you know, what we learned is you do what you can. I okay, we can't go to the gym, but hey, we can walk in our neighborhood. So you just do what you can. I yeah. tell you, some of my leaders, they do CrossFit. Oh yeah, that's a and whole that's, different beast. Oh yeah, that's that's on a, a whole different <laughs> level. And so when I see them on Sunday once a while, I go, "Hey guys, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it in the morning to CrossFit." <laughs> and they and they'll have them go, "Okay, we, we got you covered, Pastor." You know, yeah. so. they're going to give you a box. Okay, jump on this. Exactly. Pastor, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I say my exercise is this, my preaching hand. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, um, Brad, you were talking about um, you know your kids now, um, and so. 
Um, you obviously you're both fathers, mm-hmm. um, and, and Pastor Dennis is a grandfather of yes. four. Mm-hmm. So what's it like now? I mean, with with you know, you guys have both been sons mm-hmm. uh, and, and now fathers, and and so uh, what's the, what is that role? I mean, where does that fall in the pecking order for you in terms of being father and being grandfather? Does that is that near the top, at the top, or, or you know, where, where does how important is that to you to to do that job well? Well, I remember the day, Brad, you were born uh, here in the medical center. It was called at the time. I went home that night, got on my knees, and uh, and told the Lord, if I never do anything else, if I never pastor a great church, if I never am great at anything, let me just be a decent father. I want to be a decent father. And um, I, I I don't know. There are times that I go, there are probably some things I could have done better. But I did try to be there for my kids. I, I felt like they were they were always a priority. And uh, the highlight of my life was uh, my kids, my kids and their special events and so forth. Uh, I... I as a grandfather, it takes it to another whole level. I, I am worse than people I used to make fun of. You know, yeah. grandparents. You can it's give like them back. A guy. Right? Oh yeah, it's it's that that's the deal. One guy, one time on a plane, I said uh, somebody, I said, if I showed you pictures of my uh, grandchildren, the guy said no, and I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you drive people crazy. You don't want to see my Facebook because that's all it is is grandkids. But that's. Um, the legacy of faith cannot be overstated that when you see your kids, when I see my grandbabies loving Jesus, going to kids camp, uh, uh, my, uh, my 13 year old, uh, two weeks ago was in our production room and he's, he's running the, uh, PowerPoint. I'm like, that that's amazing you know hundreds of people are watching this and he is right with it because i remember saying man who whoever was running that well they were right on top of it. and they go well your grandson and then this last week he was behind the camera running a camera yeah and so uh that to me no greater uh i don't know accomplishment or t- talk about being proud of something when you see your grandkids and you see that faith mm-hmm. that didn't start with me, it actually started with my parents, started with my mom and dad and that values and love for Jesus and uh, appreciation for church and so forth. And uh, that it's been passed down from generation to generation. That legacy of faith is huge. Yeah. And, and Pastor Braddy <laughs> talked about that with technology. I mean, it's it's um, it's always different generation to generation being, you know, a mom or dad. But nowadays, it, it seems like a big challenge part of it is technology. Mm-hmm. So you have social media and people maybe are not talking, you know, in person, face to face, as mm-hmm. much anymore. So, how how yeah. do you? What would you say to folks in terms of they're facing that challenge? They're a new dad, or they're a dad of a, a a new teen like you are. Yeah. You know, how do you how do you yeah. deal with that? I mean, are you pretty strict with that, or oh. do you, you kind of like say, you know, like okay, we're going to embrace this. Sure, this, sure. This world. You well, know? yeah. <laughs> my my first my first uh, lesson I learned uh, from fatherhood was that uh, I'm not ready. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am ill prepared. There's no booklet that's going to tell no, you. No, no. Well, mean, the Bible is pretty good. It has some good instructions yeah, in there. The Bible's pretty good, uh, but they don't make you go through any training, right? right, right I yeah. mean, that that was the craziest thing when 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 we brought my first our firstborn home from the hospital. I thought, 
man, I think I went through more training to get my driver's license. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, I've, I've been to school. I had to yeah. go to classes and take yeah. tests. But, you know, here's a human being. Yeah. Here. Don't mess it up. Harvard, Harvard doesn't have a class. For no, that. no. <laughs> they might, but I didn't have to go to any yeah. of those. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, it, it was wild, man. I remember bringing my son home and just, just thinking to myself, uh, you know, it's like these identities, right? I'm the son. He's the dad. And that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 20 something years. I'm son. He is dad. Well, then all of a sudden I, I have a baby and here's the, here's my son. And I'm like, no, he's son. That means I am dad. No, yeah. he's dad. No, wait, I'm dad. No. So, so I'm I think, the spoiler. You're the disciplinary. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. wonderful. Oh, oh, you're the bad cop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm so, the good one. They love their papa. <laughs> so, so I kind of realized like, oh, I got to change an identity. I got to take on this fatherhood identity. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a job. It's like, okay, wow. I've got to do this job, this job that I watched him do for so many years. And he did a great job at, uh, but now I have to do that, but I, okay, now I got to do a father. I don't know what that means. So obviously the Bible <laughs> is a great resource there. Uh, but one of the things that I've learned through that first as I'm not ready. So I had to read books on parenting. I had to read books on uh, how do you be a good parent to a baby, to a, to a child. And the, the second thing I'm learning now is that there's seasons to parenting. I mean, there are the seasons of a, a little baby screaming in the middle of the night and a dirty diaper. You think those will never end, right? The days, the hours, wait, what's the days and the something's short and something's long. Uh, the, the, the nights are long, yeah. but the years yeah. are short. Yes. Something like that, yes. right? Some, some, something like that. And uh, you yeah. think, oh, gosh, this, I've been up all night and the kid won't uh, eat or you drink. And I don't know what, what they need. And you think that night will never end. And then you wake up and they're, they're going to high school. Yeah. Yeah. And amazing. you're going, wait a second. And, and so as a father, I am learning that the needs uh, of parenting, it, it's seasonal. Summer, winter. Yeah. I mean, our whole world, God, God works in seasons. So but the season of grandparent is the best because well, the you, only thing I struggle it. with is <laughs> this last week when I had all four is do we go to Chuck E. Cheese or do we go to launch? That was a tough t- decision. That was, that was a tough decision. It, it yeah. was tough. And, yeah. and, and Pastor Brad, we talked earlier about how, you know, um, you were the, the preacher's kid and, mm-hmm. and you kind of were maybe running from that and, sure. and, and uh, maybe, you know, rebelled or whatever else, you know, that, that we hear about. And now you've got two preacher's kids. I do. So, so, how do you, so how do you navigate that on the other side of things? Like, do you, like, are you thinking to yourself, like, I hope they're not pastors or I hope they are? Or, I mean, I whatever you want to be honest Depends on what about. day it is, yeah. probably. I, I'm so, honestly uh, <laughs> sitting back, observing, and uh and thinking to myself, I wouldn't go back for anything. I, I know I'm just like they're in the hot seat now, right? Sure, sure. Because it is. You live in the glass bowl. You, everyone has an opinion, and everyone loves to tell you what their opinion is. Exactly. So just try to give grace. You know, my oldest is thinking I want to be in the military. So we, you know, we we encourage that. Sure. Uh, because we know, uh, you know, call to ministry is a call from God, not from a call from a dad. That's right. Sure, yeah. Or a yeah. parent. Can't push. Yeah. No. Yeah. no. And, and no. you'll find yeah. out as as in these teen years that whatever you push. They're going to do the opposite. That's or right. want, you know, it, maybe even already. You know. Oh, I'm learning that one right there. <laughs> if I push something, it's like, well, that's going to change his taste real quick. Exactly. But, but yeah, and that, that's the thing that, you know, I'm learning. Uh, and, and after 13 years, uh, still learning, still learning as a father. Obviously trying to look at God as my primary example, even though I've got a great 
you know, earthly father. Some people aren't blessed to have a great earthly father, uh, but or, or, or a father at all, or maybe not not around. So yeah. So, yeah, some some have no, no father uh, at all. Uh, but but thankfully we have a heavenly Father that uh, you go okay how does God treat us well he he tends to you know be fairly graceful with us and forgiving especially when we fail and I think that's been the biggest lesson for me okay as a father I could come down and with anger <laughs> and be very angry and be want to have righteous indignation you know uh, but but we don't serve a God like Zeus that throws lightning bolts at us when we mess up so that's been the biggest thing is to to take notes from, you know, a, a great experience, uh, an example I had uh, in having a great earthly father, but but just trying to... I keep in, looking, in, I go, who's he talking about? I don't know. <laughs> see, I'm feeling be, better he, about he, myself. He's being nice, yeah. No, see. I'm feeling but, much better. Yeah. I'm very affirmed here. Yeah, yeah. But 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 trying to trying to have that grace in those different seasons. It's just different, you know, the, the grace when you haven't slept for a week when you're a new father to the grace of my teenager did what? What decision did they make that was just <laughs> stupid? Yeah. Okay, I got to have grace, but it, it's it's that same level of grace, but in a different season. Yeah, and and definitely you know, prayer is an important thing as a parent, but being prayed for, praying that, that you don't yell like Zeus or whatever else. And we we close the podcast usually in prayer, so I want to pass that baton on to our our lead pastor here, um, mm-hmm. uh, Dennis Lacey. If you uh, could, uh, if you don't mind, closing us out in prayer. No, absolutely, yeah. Lord. We want to thank you. We've had a a good time uh, discussing uh, things of the kingdom and family issues and cultural issues, and I thank you that your word speaks to all of that. And we've got a very special holiday coming up where we're going to honor men and honor fathers. And uh, there's no father that's done such an awful job that you cannot help them. So I pray for fathers that need help. They need wisdom. Uh, they've made mistakes like I have and like every father, and I'm, I'm just praying they will not give up on themselves, but understand they have a heavenly father that will pick them up and, and put them back on the right track. Uh, and I want to yes. thank you for fathers that are uh, staying the course, being men of God and uh, being godly men. Uh, I, I thank you for them. I pray that they will be uh, affirmed in a in a very special way. I, I pray for so many homes and so many uh, kids that don't have fathers, and and there's a void in their life. I mean, I'm praying that in the body of Christ that there will be men who can somewhat fill that role and uh, be a father figure and and show some love and and time and attention maybe just going out and throwing the ball with them or or whatever. But, Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. Uh, We want to do your will, nothing more, nothing less. And uh, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for this day you've given us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been an honor having you guys and Thank joining you. me together and stuff and Thank affirming you. each other, uh, which is a good thing, right? And uh, you guys are great examples of, of dads and pastors and uh, appreciate uh, all you guys do. So, yeah. Thanks uh, for having you us. You keep up the good work. Yes. Thank you so much. We're running the race. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. 
it was great having them here. Uh, you know, uh, Brad and Dennis are just are they're good friends, but they're just a really impactful men for Christ uh, in our region. And uh, you know, they wanna they wanna have that ripple effect. You know, throw a rock in the middle and just kind of spread out. Uh, not only you know spreading the gospel in your church, in your city, and in your world, and uh, you can have that impact. And so it's it's great to you know, and then they're just fun loving guys. Uh, don't take themselves too seriously. And it's great to see that legacy passing on father and son, second and third generation pastors, uh, evangelical uh, pastors in the Assembly of God uh, Church and District. Now to our final segments of the podcast. You know, earlier we, we uh, I taught you that song, Shabbat Shalom. That is uh, stuck in your head. So uh, you can go back and listen to that again, and uh, maybe it'll get stuck as you can uh, practice and sing it, Shabbat Shalom. And uh, so that was that segment. And uh, now we have uh, our final one, a parting gift, uh, some inspiration from a uh, famous soccer player. This was a cool quote I saw. You know, I, I do a lot of training for marathons, a lot of running, and people training for things, you know, whether it be something in leadership or their job or some kind of athletic event, maybe a triathlon or something like that coming up. This is from Mia Hamm, who was a uh, international soccer star and also from UNC Chapel Hill, Go Tar Heels. Mia Hamm, she says, I am building a fire, and every day I train, I add more fuel. At just the right moment, I light the match. So all that hard work that you do, training, reading the word, if you're training spiritually, or all that running or lifting weights that you're doing, all that training you do, you're adding more and more fuel to the fire. And then, you know, you, you strike that match right when it's the right time when you need to. Uh, maybe it's a, 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 an open door to have a conversation with someone about Christ. Maybe it's an event that you have, a marathon or something coming up. So, uh, you know, get ready. And uh, because it's sometimes it's going to be time to, to light that match and you need to have that fuel to make it work. So uh, thank you so much again for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. A great, uh, very in-depth, almost hour-long conversation with pastors Dennis and Brad Lacey. You can go to Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, um, SoundCloud, uh, also Apple, and go to the bottom of the, of the page and write a quick review. You can please subscribe, tell your friends about it, use hashtag Run the Race when you mention this podcast. And uh, so looking forward to some great conversations in the future. And the next one, I'm going to tell you about... Um, my marathon I just recently ran, the Hatfield-McCoy Marathon that started in Kentucky, ended in West Virginia, and one of the um, ladies that stayed uh, at the bed and breakfast I was at, hopefully uh, she will be my guest on the next episode. She has run 200 marathons, a mom of six who has um, completed a, a, the, that race, that distance in all 50 states, and even a Boston Marathon qualifying time and a marathon in all those states as well. So looking forward to our conversation with her, and you want to hear how that race went, my uh, maybe toughest ever road marathon slowest one as well so uh, until next time hope you guys have a wonderful blessed week